Warm-ups, not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I care to expand on that. Gosh, woke up feeling real dangerous. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. You guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you guys can find it. You can give us a five-star review because we're pretty cool. I'm your host, Kamiam Rabian, joined by Jack Shields. How are you doing, Jack? Not too bad, man. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty well. Just kind of hanging out, just, you know, doing things, renovating the house, going to the gym, hanging out, living my life. I'm at the point where since it's the summer and I get summers off, I forget what day it is of the week. That's a nice existence. It really is. I, I, I miss that. Yeah, it's really good and, like, it just, you know, it. I don't mind it, but sometimes it's like, oh, wait, today's Monday, not Sunday, Tuesday. So it's pretty good. Only difference it really makes for you is whether the bank's open or not or something like that. Like that's, Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much it. Or if Chick-fil-A is open. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Good point. That's a, that's a big that's a big getter. But how's your week been so far? Oh, fairly uneventful. What is it, Monday? It's Monday. Okay, yeah, it's Monday. Uh, <coughs> only notable thing... I cheated on my diet for the first time. Oh, I did it because I was really I way? was really hungover on Sunday morning <laughs> and I went and got McDonald's breakfast. What was it? Was it worth it? Oh god, yeah. I think I gained like 3 pounds but still. I uh yeah, bacon egg and cheese biscuit, sausage egg and cheese McGriddle, hash browns. Sounds good. Yeah. Coffee of course. Yeah. Always go coffee with breakfast at McDonald's. The things that I would cheat on my intermittent fasting with, which I have done pretty well so far. Hell yeah. Um, is maybe Hearthstone at like one in the morning down to just go down to Norman. See, I, I really, I can't do donuts that late. So right. If you've been drinking, it's really bad to do donuts that late. Interesting. Because mixing sugar and alcohol. Not good. For me, it results in acid reflux. Ooh. Like in the middle of the night, I'll like kind of throw up in my mouth because of it. <laughs> Jesus and like Christ. almost choke. <laughs> it, this this used to happen like a lot because I was like really stupid. You know, Bon Scott went out like that. ACDC's lead singer. Yeah, yeah. A lot. I mean, a lot of people went out mm-hmm. like that. It happens. But like, yeah, it's it's not like solid though. So like, it it I don't usually it, right. it, it just wakes me up and I'm like. Ugh. But like, uh, oh, Jesus. It, yeah, you're welcome for this visual. But um, it's a good visual. Yeah. So no donuts uh, after drinking. I used to go to the that Seven Eleven on Lindsay mm. back when I was in school and get donuts. And I learned the hard way way too many times and kept doing it. That that, that was kind of college. You yeah. You learn from your mistakes, but you don't. You just kind of keep doing those yeah. things. You should move on. With, you should move on with your life and just yeah. keep on accepting your mistakes. Like yeah, whatever. There are no consequences for yeah. my actions. It's, exactly. It's whatever. I mean, like midnight, one in the morning, going to Hertz Donuts, just getting like maybe a, a cap, not Captain Crunch, a cinnamon toast crunch. Oh, that sounds donut with some like chocolate milk. Ooh. Or just regular milk. It doesn't matter at that point. It's pretty wonderful. But we're just sitting here podcasting on a Monday evening with an Oklahoma versus... It's a Bedlam replay. I looked on the... And just behind me, Jack's watching vigorously, probably with more acid reflux. 
And the next game up I I looked on the channel was Oklahoma versus West Virginia. So that'll be even better. Well, way better. Because this this Bedlam game from 2018 was probably my least favorite Bedlam win of all time. Really? Well, because it was so ugly. I mean, it was... The year before was just as bad. Yeah, but it, it it felt bigger. You know what I mean? It was it yeah. f- that game felt like maybe the stakes were higher. Yeah, plus Oklahoma State was a better team. I mean, there True. wasn't really much of an excuse for Oklahoma being torched by corn dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? This it, five and four team. You know, when you're going against you know Rudolph and those guys, it's a little James Washington, yeah, James and, Washington, yeah. and everything, everyone they had at receiver back then. But like uh, and uh, a healthy Justice Hill as well, who yeah. he, who was not healthy in this game. Mm-hmm. So that's true. I, yeah, this I this is the first time I have rewatched this game. I'm pretty sure just because I it I don't know it gave me it was bad vibes the whole time. I watched the I re I watched the replay of the Army game the other day and that was bad for my health. That that's a bad one too, but it was sort it was sort of like a special memory too because it was Army and all yeah. that stuff and it was you know kind of an exciting overtime win and all that. I mean this one ended on. A Mike Gundy brain fart, which in it, in its own right, is nice, but yeah. it doesn't feel like you accomplished much at the right. same time. The army game was just full of dives and then tackles, just not knowing what they're doing, and then the linebackers just chasing down guys from behind, and it was infuriating. Whereas this was like, oh, third and twenty, it probably doesn't matter. Tylen Walls is going to beat Norwood, whoever's in front of him, and eventually they. They changed Norwood and Brown onto Tylen Wallace, and that meant a little bit. And it was a, I don't know, it was, a, it was an interesting game. But anyways, let's get on to some important business. Earlier, I guess later last week, right? Vandegriff. Yep. Commits to the Danny University Newton of from Caddyshack. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. And according to rivals, he's really good though. Brock Vandegriff <laughs> is rivals. Makes Vandegrift out to be, you know, the number one player in the country. Uh Uh-huh. And it is the best player Oklahoma has earned a commitment from since AD, as far as best player in the country. Because... You can't really top AD, because they're both number one. If I remember correctly, like, it was AD, and not too far down the list, was Rhett Beaumont. He was right right there, yeah. And both Texas prospects, which had to drive Mac Brown nuts. But this is the best player Oklahoma's earned a commitment from since uh, (laughs) Anthony Davis, right? Adrian Peterson, and the best quarterback commit since Spencer Rattler, literally, like, last year. Yeah. Brock Vandegrift is a 2021 prospect. People need to know that because he's not going to be signing a letter of intent this coming December or even this coming May. He's going to be signing one maybe, if it holds up, the following December or the following May. So it's quite a waiting game, but... This now, is... of course, brings to mind the 2020 class with the quarterback situation. You're going to bring in a quarterback. You you have to sign a quarterback every year. You're going to do that. Do you think they're going to just take up like a preferred walk-on kid like a Taylor oh, Schaefer? Maybe not a preferred walk-on, but or maybe a... Kid? Um, I'm sure they'll find someone who will accept a scholarship to play quarterback right. at the University of Oklahoma. It just may not be a blue chipper. I could easily see a Juco kid just signing on with Oklahoma and just being a part of that organization just to maybe fill a stopgap with some... A Joey Halsley. Yeah, exactly. Now, Joey was supposed to actually play because... People thought that Tommy Grady was the next big thing. It's true. 
and then some stuff happened. Some stuff went down there, and then like, they brought in. They had Joey Halsley, and the thought was, oh, Joey Halsley is going to play over Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford was the Tanner Schaefer. He was the insurance policy yeah. on Grady, if I'm remembering correctly. And, and Keith Nickel was the heir apparent that's right. behind them. Yeah. And it just so happened that Grady was out. And I was thinking, I remember thinking at the time as a kid, gosh, it was 2008, you know, and, or 2007, Seven, excuse me. Yeah. That was my freshman year at OU. And I was thinking, man, if they don't start Halsley, over this redshirt freshman Bradford at a PC North, I'm gonna like lose it, and then of course like Kidney was wrong, and I'm glad. But you were immediately wrong. <laughs> yeah, I was immediately wrong, and he just you know lights it up. But you're right, the 2020 prospects. Do you think they? Do you think they get a scholarship kid, or do you think it's a Tanner Schaefer situation? Because they get they have. I mean Tanner Schaefer, I feel like he could come in and be successful, mildly successful in the offense right now. I mean, I, I would imagine they're going to find a scholarship kid. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't think it would be a horrible solution to get bring up in a preferred walk-on. But, That's true. You know, because, I mean, it, it, like you said, it's essentially just a stopgap here for quarterback recruiting. But just you get, never know. Just so get Jacob Switzer. You never know what can happen with quarterbacks. We've seen it so much in the past at the University of Oklahoma. You know, unforeseen circumstances. Obviously, you know, Rhett Bomar. Right. Brent Rawls. Oh, God. Shit happens. You know, Jacob Switzer, Barry Switzer's grandson, played <laughs> at Norman North. He's a senior this year, playing at a he's playing, playing out of a smaller private school in Dallas, in the Dallas area. Oh yeah, he moved down there. Yeah, I can't remember specifically what school it is, but I mean, you know, the bloodline is there clearly. Mm-hmm. And now, but of course, the Switzers. I don't think they would. They know that Barry's closer to the program than any, anybody else as as far as past coaches. Anything he knows, Lincoln. He knows what's going on at quarterback. He's not going to send his grandson there with the idea of he's not ever going to play. Yeah, of course. But what's this say? This Brock Vandegrift. Let's just let's talk about Brock Vandegrift and Spencer Rattler. Their commitments. And Spencer Rattler is now on campus, and his all these you know all the new freshmen are taking pictures and posting them on Twitter with their new uniforms. But what's this say for the future of Oklahoma football and really Lincoln Riley's prowess as a quarterback guru and offensive guru? I mean, he doesn't really have much more to prove as far as uh, quarterback development is concerned. I mean, the people who don't really, I guess you have a lot of outsiders who sort of cling to the narrative that he did this with transfer quarterbacks as if he didn't play the primary role in their development. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's lazy analysis typically. But anyway, he has a chance to sort of shut that door, I suppose. Not that it really matters, but. It's true. You know, and then, you know, Rattler. I mean, you can see him playing, you know, three or four games this year, getting the red shirt with the new rule, Mm -hmm. being the starter for two years, riding off into the sunset, blowing it up in the league. Yep. So what you would imagine in a perfect world with no setbacks of any sort, you would see a one-year overlap Mm -hmm. with Rattler and Vandegrift. So you'd have one year of Rattler... Mentoring Vandegrift, who Vandegrift, he's essentially a Trevor Lawrence type. I mean, yes. he's someone who has perfect pocket presence and all that kind of they stuff. They label him pro style, yeah. but you see he's, he's like, tape see, of him just outrunning the entire Of course, yeah. Defense. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is deceptively athletic as well. I mean, he's there's a, there's plenty of shades of him there. They're about the same height, you yeah. would think. He's so. like 6'3". Yeah, 6'3", 6'4", that range. But, uh, yeah, I mean... It, 
I mean, he's 6'3", and he's going into his junior year, so. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> he could be 6'4", six, 6'5", six, by the time he gets here, so. Never know. But anyway, it seems like the perfect formula. Yeah. Then again, this is without setbacks. You never know how it is with the quarterback situation. So. It's true. And I think I like your narrative of, hey, this is the first time Lincoln Riley. Well, not really the first time, but it's going to be the second time Lincoln Riley gets a go at, this is my quarterback I recruited. He hasn't come from anywhere else. That way I can prove to you I can develop quarterbacks because Austin Kendall was his first one. Of course. And he, I remember thinking, man, he got a, he pulled a kid out of the Carolinas? That never happens for OU. And he's you know, prototypical. I've seen him on Campus Corner several times. Big kid, big arm. Ends up transferring, of course. Un- unlucky, Baker Mayfield. <laughs> to say year, the least. Extra year of eligibility. Kyler Murray, Heisman winners. Number one picks. And then the second quarterback that was really going to be Lincoln Riley's, like, I'm going to put my stamp on this, Chris Robeson. And like we were talking about with unforeseen circumstances. Shit happens. Shit happens. And then, like, literally every And I don't know if he's going to play another down of football, meaningful D1 football. Who knows? I mean, Rep Omar went and played in FCS, but I don't know what they call it anymore. He was at a... He was at Sam Houston State. He was at State. Sam Houston State, yeah. yeah. And then he, he got a shot with the Giants, if I recall yeah. correctly. And then the next thing I knew, the next story I read about him, he was running stop signs in his Corvette in Texas while coaching high school football. There you go. So, you know, <laughs> it's it's like the maturity dream. Yeah, gosh, goodness gracious. But with the impending signing of Grant, uh, you know, pending, impending signature of Vandegrift, do you think at all possible, because I was thinking about this, I was just sitting, I was hanging out, do you think that accelerates Rattler's timeline as far as being QB2 behind Jalen Hurts this year? Because here's the deal. Mordecai, he's he's not stupid. He can read between the lines. Of course. Same as Austin Kendall. They, he knows. Everybody knows. Rat, the news out of camp is that Rattler is exactly what they thought they were, yeah. what they thought he was. Prime example of great quarterback, great instincts, has command of the field as a true freshman and then you go and sign according to rivals but even 247 has him really high up there top quarterback in the nation again yeah in your tana mordecai from waco texas who is not bad by any means any any no i think school in the big 12 would love him if ou were in a situation where they had to play him in this offense he would do more than fine, I think. Yeah. I mean, he had his struggles in the spring game, but I mean, if he was able to get his feet under him, I think he'd do perfectly fine. And word is that Spencer Rattler, him, and Jalen Hurts sometimes even go back and forth in camp in seven on sevens, of course. I'm sure, yeah. And Rattler can make some throws. Of course, Jalen Hurts isn't used to making so much. So to me, I think it's quite possible that Rattler doesn't even redshirt. I think it's possible that he, let's say he he does redshirt, but Let's say something happens. Not surprising to me at all if they burn that red shirt and put in Rattler instead of Mordecai. I, I would agree with you on that one. Yeah, absolutely. If something happens to Jalen Hurts, then yeah, Rattler is the guy that they probably go with. So you would imagine. You think that he's maybe not the official on paper backup to Jalen Hurts, but is seemingly the between-the-lines hidden actual backup to Jalen Hurts if something were to happen? That's sort of my thinking, Yes. So do you think that accelerates his timeline along with Vandegrift to where there's like no gap in between? 
oh, I mean, he's still going to be on campus for three years, so there there would still be an overlap, you know what I mean? Whether he redshirts or not. That's true. It would still be a one-year overlap. So I don't think it would make much of a difference as far as that's concerned. That's true. I didn't think about that. Numbers, man. Math. Math is hard. I don't like math. It's, you know, it's, it's not, I don't know, it's not good. I mean, the math is always really fun for NBA cap analysis that uh, the Lakers are not good at doing, which is really funny. Yeah. But I enjoy watching that drama from afar, but now things are sort of working out for them a little bit. Eh. But What were you doing when the Vandegrift news broke? Because Lincoln Riley tweets out... I was sick, for he, one. <laughs> he tweets out, big day, with emojis at 7.13 a.m., and then we know Vandegrift has committed like by 8.16 a.m. You were, well, you're just sick. I never even saw the eyes. Really? No, I never saw yeah. the eyes. Because I have, I have, I have Link's notifications on, and I was like, Yeah, big I was day. asleep when the eyes came out. Like, big yeah. day, what does that mean? And then I, I rolled over, went back to bed, and I wake up again at 8 o'clock. And the next thing you know, or 8.20, when there's like another notification of a retweet by Lincoln Riley. It's like, oh, crap. The All of these eyes broke. and notifications lately have been very rude. All, just, just inconsiderate, all of them. <laughs> At least they're not like I'm obviously messing around, but like I mean, three it's, weeks out. It's, I mean, yeah. I I'm trying to think. Yeah, I was at CVS when we published that's it. Right, that's right. And you were like, you said you didn't have pants on when you published it. Yeah, still my so, boxers. Blog life, baby. And it was just like the weirdest. I was like, oh, big day. That means something will come along. Maybe this evening. Maybe tomorrow morning. And it was literally an hour right later. There. I was like, okay, sounds good. And it, that was the point in which Vandegrift said he's down with the Sooners. He's, you know, he's ready to commit to Oklahoma. It seemed he's like a gonna, perfect match, and it yeah. just seemed inevitable. Like, weeks ago, it seemed inevitable. Yeah. I mean, we weren't sure when the commitment was going to happen, but it was kind of like it was with Rattler. I mean, mm-hmm. there was a little song and dance going on, but you were like, you knew he was going to commit to Oklahoma, like, months in advance. I and, mean, it's same same thing here. It just seemed like a perfect match for He's Both the, parties. He's the type of athlete that he's not afraid of competition. Nah. So therefore, that he's going to come and be part of Spencer Rattler. Now, again, things happen. Let's say Spencer Rattler, something happens when he's a starting quarterback, and he delays his possible exit to the NFL a year. So now you're looking at Brandon Griff, okay, maybe taking that, not only that redshirt year, and another year you're looking at maybe – taking her junior year and senior year, and is he really, really willing to only start Oklahoma for maybe a year if things don't go the way they were intending to? Who knows? I mean, it worked out for that Kyler Murray guy, so he only had one year as a starter at Oklahoma. Can so. you imagine if Baker Mayfield was not given his extra year of eligibility and Kyler Murray starts for two years? Kyler Murray's offense under Lincoln Riley, more explosive, more dynamic, than Baker Mayfield's offense. You put Kyler Murray against Georgia. Is that, does Kyler Murray get you over the hump? I, I don't, I have no idea. <laughs> I really don't. Maybe. I mean, he was, he's, you can do a little more with the offense with Kyler Murray. Yeah. So, because Baker, maybe I mean, those struggles in the second, in the second half, half, you know, you send Kyler Murray just zipping around, that Georgia defense isn't going to catch him. Man. I've I've never thought about this. I really haven't. Um, you have a healthy Rodney Anderson, <sighs> CD Hollywood, or a CD and DD, right? Yeah. No, not 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 DD. 
Didi wasn't there in 17. 16 Still Hollywood, was his, right? 16 was his big year. But it's just, you know, Mark Andrews. Oh, yeah. Legend. You, you have a lot of athletes at your disposal, and they're not guys like Lee Morris. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not crapping on Lee Morris, but... Lee Morris is great. That, that offense was dangerous with Baker Mayfield. You add on to a guy that broke Baker Mayfield's pass accuracy, but also he can run like a 4 40 that's weird to think about, isn't it? Because he was in that game a couple times. He, he some, was. Some he was plays. on the field with Baker Mayfield. Gosh. I mean. That makes me sad to think about, actually. Ugh. But Lincoln Riley sending out the eye emojis, 7.13 in the morning. And he's lately with the latest recruits and the latest commitments, he's been sending out the eye emojis seemingly a day before or the day of or maybe even two days before. It's almost commitment. as if he has changed his yeah, strategy it's act- after it's, being burned. It's a couple like times. he's been burned a couple <laughs> times. So you think he's learned his lesson, yeah? I that it would appear so, but I don't know because there's still there's so much mystery, so much ambiguity with all of these eyes. There's so. still like three eye emojis that have yet to be unlocked. I think we can cancel a couple of them, but I still, think we, yeah, we can. And it's just really interesting. And I don't even think Edrin Cooper out of Covington, Louisiana who can play both sides. He's a big linebacker. He's going to be a big presence. I don't know what that means for his for Brendan Walker. I still think they might pursue Brendan Walker. But Edron Cooper didn't even get eyes. Let Brendan Walker be a jackbacker. He'd be a great jackbacker. I know the I know the discussion, you know, has been about him maybe playing the Mike linebacker yeah. position, but let him loose out on the edge. I mean, in, if if you if you have a new solution inside, give him a shot outside. Granted, I'm a McGinnis homer, but still <laughs> And the thing with Alex Grinch's defense is that it's not a traditional Mike, Sam, Will situation. Yeah, it's different Like, now. your Mike and your Will are basically just two inside linebackers. Yep. And then you have your rush edge, which is, like, technically your jackbacker, which is technically a rush end. You can put him as a stand-up defensive end. You oh, can put here's him the two-point conversion. As a linebacker. Play. And it's just, uh, you know, it's interesting. So... And Cooper, I th- yeah, I think Lincoln has really learned his lesson from putting things out three weeks in advance. I think that's fair to say. But let's talk about recruits that are already committed going on visits and how to react. Because a story came out from the um, OK State two four seven guys saying, following an official visit from Texas Tech, Miles Pierce, who wasn't even a commit. Miles Pierce no longer holds an offer from Oklahoma State. Mike Gundy pulled this kid's offer. Reportedly. Reportedly. For visiting Texas Tech. And so let's get into let's get into this conversation. First I mean, first off, like from an appearance standpoint, it just comes off as insecure. Oh, that's just straight up. It it comes off as a an Aggie move. Yeah. Big time. It comes off as a Mike Gundy move. And I like Mike Gundy, but it seems like the type of rash decision that he would make. So, I mean, and then you had a guy, Miles Slusher, saying, oh, I lost all respect for Oklahoma State because yeah. of this. He's not the only person who feels this right. way, I'm sure. So, yikes. Yeah, it looks weird. It looks bad. Not He's a not good even, look. Not even a commit. So, Dante Manning, committed to OU. He takes a visit to A&M. And there's rumbles of him maybe decommitting, like 
there there are many stories that have were in many drafts on many sites that were ready to be, to be released. That certain sites, <laughs> yep, uh, ours included. Yeah, yeah. That Dante Manning was ready to, you know, decommit or maybe reopen his reopen his recruitment, as yeah. they might say. And I can't remember who even said it on the radio, but Babes basically publicly just stated, like, yeah, he, he I don't think he's gonna stay committed. I can't remember what radio station it was, whether it's a franchise or the animal, but regardless. Basically, just came out and said it. I was like, "Wow!" And then you've heard nothing since. And then Jason McClellan to Texas, and Jeff Ketchum, and those interesting cats at Orange Bloods. You know, they're out there. Ryan Watts goes and visits Penn State. And again, Oklahoma commit, which is like his dream school. He said his dream school supposedly. when he got the offer. And then rumors circulated that Jace McClellan and Ryan Watts visited Alabama together this past weekend. And, you know, that's just, it is what it is. And then after that, I mean, let's take a look at, let's take a look at history. Jalen Rager actually was committed to OU on point. And it's weird to think about that because he's now lighting it up at TCU when he can, when he has a legitimate quarterback that can actually he, get him the ball. Fantastic. He's fantastic. He would light it up at OU. In, and, like, people say, and myself included, just not thinking, like, man, I wish OU would have kept him. But then no Hollywood. That means no Hollywood Brown. Exactly. Granted, you would have had three years of, of him course. instead of, of... That's the thing. Longevity or yeah. whatever. But, I don't know. And Jalen Rager committed to Oklahoma, visits TCU in a game which Oklahoma actually beat TCU. And... Uh, there was this toxic kind of relationship with Stoops at the time regarding if you visit here, it's not going to be good. And I, him visiting TCU really damaged their relationship. And he decommitted from Oklahoma, and we're like, oh, damn, okay. And then he commits to TCU, and everybody's thinking, why would you commit to like, go to like go to A and M or something where they have a quarterback that can actually get you the ball? Because it seems like a waste of talent sometimes. But hey, whatever. CD Lamb. He's commits. He's committed to OU for a while. He visits to A and M, is decommitted. He opens up his commitment, and Lincoln Riley just keeps on working and working. And I remember they were on Twitter, and he was circling the wagons back around and maybe warming back up to Oklahoma. And they like tweeted out, "I want my CD." Just a picture of a CD. <laughs> And Baker Mayfield tweeting the same thing, and he ends up back at OU. I think OU. that is that one that ended up being like a minor violation or whatever. I one of those so. little slap on the wrist yeah. things that you read about once a year. There's yeah. like a list of thirty that mean essentially nothing. Yeah, I think that was one of the tweets that resulted in something. Yeah, like I want my CD, and it's just a picture of a yeah. blank CD. Yeah, and at Baker Mayfield tweeting it out, and the players doing it too. It's like whatever. And then Creed Humphrey, actually an A and M commit. Goes to OU on a visit. Shawnee kid. Yeah. Ends up at OU. So there's lots of things that can happen regarding how you approach this concept as a coach. Like these guys that ended up committed to OU or these, you know, Jalen Rager was an OU commit, flops to t- flips to TCU because of a toxic environment of do not visit this school. Um, but of course, if you're like Lincoln Riley, he's like, you know what, you're a kid. Go be a kid and enjoy your visits. And your risk... If you, you love something, let it go. You, you, run, you run the risk of them flipping. So what's the right way to handle these types of situations? 
feel like you have to let them take visits. I mean, I don't, I don't see any other choice in, at this point. I mean, I mean, you know how I am. I'm very pro prospect and pro player as mm-hmm. far as this kind of stuff yeah. is concerned. And it's their future. Yeah. There's a lot at stake. They need to do their due diligence. Now, do I personally think they should commit while they're still considering other schools? Probably not. But that's their process. You sort of have to let them work through it. I mean, do you want a kid to come to your school if he's, if you don't think it's maybe the right place for him? Right, or if, if he's, or if like, not even too or sure. if there's any doubt there. Right. You know, let him see what else is out there. Let him process it. Let him go through it. And also, you don't come off as a petty little bitch. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, and this is the thing that makes me curious about Lincoln Riley's approach to that. Because Lincoln Riley is a very, like, bro, sure, you're committed to Oklahoma. Go take your visits. You're only going to get three or four of them official visits go be a kid you're not go enjoy the hell out of this process you get a free trip and free meals and all that stuff on an official visit i mean yeah go do it if you're at ou get a free cookie cake all sorts of other stuff but like yeah go do it and at the same time i think it's interesting he's like that with his high school recruits but was not like that for austin kendall of course that's correct yep so is and that was a bad look and so eventually he let it through because he was like, crap, we're getting a ton of negative PR. Yeah, it was, it was a rough day. <laughs> and is it because he wants to appeal to recruits saying, hey, do what's best for you? And he maybe genuinely, probably genuinely means that. But the Austin Kendall situation, let's say it's different because he doesn't want his offense proliferated in the Big 12. Yeah. And Austin Kendall doing the Baker Mayfield when he transferred from Texas Tech calling out signs on the sideline for their offense. I mean, I think it's probably a little bit of both, wouldn't you say? I think it's fair to say. Yeah. I just think it's really, really interesting how, like, because he, Mike Gunny doesn't handle those situations all the time like that. No. He's not going to pull a kid's scholarship or pull whatever just for every situation. So I wonder what's going I mean, he, on there. He didn't pull an offer for Brendan Walker when he took on officials yeah. to Oklahoma. So, which sort of makes me wonder about this report a little bit. I mean, yeah. there, there's no, obviously, you know, confirmation there. So. It's pretty odd. It is odd. We'll see. But let's talk about some summer ball. It is almost July. It's nearing the end of June. And Michael Thompson, who is a highly touted defensive lineman. Very Out of the St. Louis area, I believe. And yep. he got to campus. Turns out, oh, you got a torn ACL, buddy. Like, oh, okay. Like, in the first physicals, that's what they found out. And he tra- transitions to the offensive line. And to where, like, the reports out of spring camp where he was doing really well, actually. I mean, you, you saw him out there with the unit uh, during the spring game. He looked the part for sure. Yeah. And, and now, who knows if he fits that role defensively in this new system yeah. at, at nose guard. I mean, he, rumors are saying he's maybe possibly, this is not confirmed, transitioning back to the defensive line along with... This was spurred by a photograph, The photograph of course, from yeah. Calvin Thibodeau having all the defensive linemen at his house for a pool party. Now, Mm-mm-mm. I'm. it looks like... Probably some very good food at that party. I'd probably. like to go to that party. And I, th- I think it's possible he can, he just stays off offensive line. And to me, 
I'm just looking at it from a depth perspective. Defensive line and offensive line both have depth issues. Like, significant depth issues. Not really on the defensive line so much, but offensive line, you lose everybody, you lost guys to injury, you're starting young men. And, man, it's an, it's, it's an issue. Seems like the both parties need to pick a lane, though, right. wouldn't you say, from oh, a yeah. development standpoint? Exactly. I mean... They're... The more the longer you waffle, the more you hinder your development. So so it's a rumor. It's not confirmed. If if it was me, I would say Michael Thompson's still going to be an offensive lineman. That's just my. That would seem like the more natural fit at the University of Oklahoma. So, but at the same time, like, why is he at the cookout? Just because he was a defensive lineman and was in that room. Maybe for a he year? wanted the food. You never Maybe know. Yeah, because like you recognize everybody there, and you're like, that's Michael Thompson. I wonder what he's doing there with the rest of the on, only other defensive lineman that took that picture. Hmm. It's intriguing. Oh, of course, yeah. It's the people going. There's, there's no reports. It's just a picture. And Calvin Thibodeau was wearing like a knockoff LeBron Lakers jersey. There was no logo or Nike or Nike swoosh. Very with, odd. I didn't notice that. He's getting paid. Come on, Calvin. Like, just, just spend the extra 50 bucks. Come on, bro. Hmm. But... That was interesting because peculiar. On the offensive side, of course, Creed is your only returning starter. RJ Proctor, they feel like he can play a left tackle. He could probably play any position. That's on the what they said. Line. Oh, that's their because he did that at Virginia. Yeah, playing literally everywhere. So Had a, his he looked great at guard. I think mm-hmm. that that seems like the natural spot. But then again. Oklahoma, they're in a transition year, obviously, for yeah. offensive linemen. If they don't feel that they're two fully capable offensive tackles at this point in time, wouldn't blame them for giving Proctor a try out at tackle. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I find this that is probably going to drag drag out until oh, mid August. It mean, will, yeah. it will, and people and are probably gonna, into the season. And people are going to be really nervous because they're not going to be named starters because the starters from Think about starters from day one of OU when they had the home opener versus Houston and NRG. The starters in the offensive line from day one to week seven, not completely different. Very different, though. Very different. <laughs> now, the inside was very different. With for sure. this, I think is interesting because the inside, I think they have a very good idea of what they want. With Creed, it could be Proctor and your mashup of Creed, uh, uh, Oh, I'm blanking on his last name. Humphrey. Not Humphrey. Oh, gosh. The other, the guard. I totally just blanked, but it's okay. Uh, Marquise Hayes. Tyrese Robinson, is that what you were thinking of? Yeah. Oh, I was thinking Creed Robinson. Man. Too much, too much summer in my brain. Slipping. But Tyrese Robinson, because you get you have a good idea of your guards. RJ Proctor, Tyrese Robinson, Marquise Hayes, who is a mammoth and road grader. Mm-hmm. You have a pretty good set idea of who are your who's going to be your middle three, and those are pretty important for Q, uh, QB pressure, keep, keeping it out. Of course. Now you're thinking of who are going to be my tackles. If Adrian Ely does not show that he can whip his back foot back and backpedal out of his stance quick enough, he's going to be a right tackle. <coughs> I think if anything, Adrian Ely is getting on the field no matter what. I just don't know which side he's going to be on. And then you have the question of Bray Walker. Yeah, you, I, I you don't would, know. 
logic would tell you that he's going to be a tackle. He should be. He should be. But, obviously they worked him out at guard. Maybe that was a smoke screen. Who knows? I don't even know. But this brings us to a really good question. What's more crucial to this Oklahoma Sooners team in the fall? The offensive line gelling within the first five weeks or defensive growth? See, that's a complicated question. Simply, I mean, obviously, offensive line gelling, that's going to be important. But the thing is, I'm confident in that happening because okay. of Bill Biedenboe. Okay. And because of what you've seen in the past with his units. So, obviously, that takes great importance, but I'm not necessarily that worried about it in the long term. Now, the short term, obviously... They could get off to a slow start. Hell, they got off to a th- slow start last year with yeah, a few change-ups. Exactly. So, I'm going to go with the defense Okay. simply because of confidence in Bill Biedenboe. On the defense, you know, you have Grinch. I thought it was a great hire. Most people seem to think it was a great hire. I'm hopeful for the future, mm-hmm. but who knows how soon the results are going to come there. Exactly. It could be a, it could be years or it could be a few games. Probably closer to the former. <laughs> and my thing is, here's the deal. With you're not having Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray in the backfield to save your butt during the Correct. season. The defense is gonna have to step up and actually win you games yep. this year. And that maybe not that that maybe not in the fashion of Three and outs. Like, we are going to hold them to below 20 points. No. But. Making crucial stops when you need stops. to make those stops. They couldn't do that last year. Turnovers that give you momentum. That's what the defense is going to need to do. And with an offense, I mean, I could, I can say, oh, man, the offense it won't be as explosive. They might be explosive just in a different way than what we've been seeing the past, geez, like four years. Uh, they'll probably be more explosive and more punishing physically. Probably. With Jalen Hurts running the ball, but you know being less, less ep- and less likely to take a injury than Sam Ellinger does to his brain daily, um, playing games, he's a much more physical presence. So I think Oklahoma will be much more physical at the point of attack on offense. So maybe they won't be more explosive, but they'll be far more gritty, which will be, will be something to be enjoying, like coming to the Texas game. And Oklahoma, what's what's if Oklahoma loses the Texas game, what's always the phrase people always say that Texas does to Oklahoma? What is it? Physically dominates at the point Texas, of attack. Texas is always more physical than Oklahoma. That's what happens in that. What that's what happened in twenty thirteen and twenty fifteen. I mean, they just whipped OU up front in both of those games. And you could say they whipped OU in games they lost too, physically in twenty fourteen. Yeah, and it's just like. They, that's that's the name of the game, and you're like, what the hell? And like, you have some guys saying like, we weren't, we just weren't up for the game. How can you not get up for OU Texas? I, I don't know. So I would really enjoy. I feel it. like that's not going to be a problem anymore oh, as of far course. as getting because I feel like the fire has truly come back. Oh, to that the hate rivalry. is there. It's, it it took a break from like, I mean, obviously it was still one of the yeah. best rivalries in college football. Obviously, you still had the fights amongst the fans and all that stuff, but it. After, like, 2009, 2010, it, it did take a dip. Oh, yeah. Texas fans were, obviously, they had their occasional outbursts, their occasional 
undeserved right. uh, hubris, I suppose. It's like but, getting back to Boz levels of orange makes me puke. Yeah, now it's getting back to that. But like in the uh, most of this past decade, Texas fans like seemed kind of defeated inside. <laughs> it seemed like you know what I mean. Like it's, people used to heckle the shit out of me, like yeah, yeah. at OU games, like. Uh, I had a UT sorority girl call me a fat ass just out of nowhere one time. Yeah. Just walking around. I, was, I used to be fatter. But, like, uh, <laughs> anyway, I stopped hearing that last decade. Like, yeah. I, there was nothing of the like occurring. They were just kind of like, oh, we're going to the game. You expect to lose. I'm, I'm, I'm. But yeah. if they win, they're like, oh, we're partying it up. See, even when they won in 13 and 15, they were just kind of like, Oh, this is funny. We won. It's, <laughs> but like, it's like Oklahoma State. It wasn't like in 09 or 08 when it was like, yeah, fuck you. But like, uh, <laughs> it, it's just, I feel like that fire is coming back and that oh, makes nice. me happy. A legitimate Texas. We need Texas Makes back. the Big 12 much better. Makes the Big 12 much better and it makes college football much better. I hate to say it, but it does. So I think a Jalen Hurts stiff arm, just throwing somebody down would just, it would just make my year. In Oklahoma, out physically in Texas, uh, being out more physical, physical. I'm I don't know what the word is. Being more physical than Texas would be a fresh sight because you can also say, besides the offensive line, and even in the first go around in the Red River Shootout, Red River Rivalry, whatever you want to call it, in Dallas, Oklahoma was offensive line this last year was whipped big and time. Beatembo was like, you have to get your shit together because even in the Big Twelve title game, the first half, they're like. I don't know, but even Lincoln Riley's getting in their grill, like, I don't know what's going on. Fix it. And, of course, the second half came out, they dominated. Yep. Good, 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 whatever. So it would be nice to see that the first go-around because it hasn't been, you haven't seen like something like that. But we have a break from our sponsors. Before we talk about some more Sooner, fo- so Sooner football, Baker Mayfield, we love Baker Mayfield, and some other things in general. So here's our break for our sponsors. All right, Sooner Football. ESPN came out with a couple different articles that I thought were really interesting, and I'd like to talk about them. They labeled your second-year breakout players for each major team. And for Oklahoma, there's a bevy of candidates. They chose Creed Humphrey. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I feel like he already broke out, wouldn't you say? I feel like... He had a great year last I year. Thought he, I thought he was going to start the year. I thought he was going to. He's much better than Al- Alvarez, and which he was, and he was, and I thought he was. He was a part of the Joe Moore Award winner. Yeah, best offensive line in the country. How can you say he's not going? Maybe he's going to break out even more because he's supposedly the star of the Granted, offensive line. I think he will become more of a national household name because he is the only returning starter. Amongst that unit, that's fair. So, but there's I think, that. I, I think, but I, I the think center are, of the I, team. I think there are better candidates for that. Just yeah, l- like I said, he already kind of broke out. So. Like who? Who are your candidates? You <sighs> Charleston Rambo. Yeah. That's one that comes to mind. Charlie Rambo is a great, great pick. Yeah, I mean, he showed a lot during the Orange Bowl game, which I thought was pretty significant against a vaunted Alabama defense, getting behind like three defensive players. Um. He's shown the ability to make catches in situations that he's been put in that maybe, you know, it's not his time. For example, during the conference championship game down in Dallas at Jerry World, Marquise Brown goes out. 
he comes in and makes a couple third down catches that people, yeah, that people aren't even talking about. Like those are big moments where a player like him dropped the ball and they're the goat, you know, and then then did really well against Alabama once it was determined that Hollywood wasn't quite good to go. Can you imagine? Played the whole game if they did not use Hollywood as a decoy and they just had Charlie Rambo from the get go. Actually running streaks and actually. See, Bama their was safeties. just whipping OU in every facet of the game at that point, so I don't know how consequential it would have been that early, but who knows? I think it's possible. It, it, I mean, it could have made the game a bit closer down the stretch. You could have had one OU score peppered in there with that twenty-eight-zero Alabama run, but I, th- I think it's possible that Alabama figured out Hollywood was hampered early, and they yeah. weren't too worried about him, no. so they weren't tilting the safeties to his side of the field. And as soon as Charleston Rambo gets in there, bang, over the top. And if maybe commands that early on in the game, that gives a lot of that gives Oklahoma a lot more room to work underneath that's than they point. were than they were given. And that's when you saw, you know, Kyler Murray getting clotheslined and then Kyler Murray just getting beat to hell. So I think it's possible. And I think Charlie Rambo is a great he's a great candidate for second year breakout players. You also mentioned before the pod Ronnie Perkins. Yeah. I mean, obviously, he did show plenty of flashes of brilliance as a freshman. Now that he's in Alex Grinch's defense, and now that he's a sophomore, mm-hmm. and he's going to end up playing whichever position truly suits him this time around. He's right. He's probably not going to be playing the jackbacker. Thank God. Which he he did do well there. It wasn't bad, but he shouldn't have been the guy who had to play there. He should have had his hand on the ground. True, but. Now, obviously, there was that rumor about Kenneth Mann with the mm-hmm. shoulder and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So, and it could be a few months before he's yeah, back. So, the silver lining to that, as I mentioned, I think last time we were talking, that Perkins is just going to go wherever he's most comfortable and where he fits best. Definitely. Hopefully. So, you would think that he certainly has an opportunity to thrive. I think he's probably. I mean, he's tweeted out several times that. He loves this defense. Oh, yeah. Because he can be as aggressive as he wants instead of just, like, reading, oh, man, what's the offensive line doing? What's the quarterback doing? He just knows what his gap is. If it's the three, I'm going to ram myself through the freaking three gap. Would you say he's the best player on this defense right now? I would say the best player on the defense is Jalen Redmond, hands down. Well, when he's healthy, which... Ronnie Perkins? Oh, man. You know... That's a di- that's a difficult that's a difficult thing to say because I I like, like obviously about, the highest upside I, I agree I say, is Redmond but are you talking about up, upside it would be Redmond I think even Redmond right now is still the best player you think so okay um you know people want to hype up Kenneth Murray I just don't see it not at the mic not at the mic at the will it's not gonna happen we're gonna keep saying it we're gonna no, speak it into existence into existence but I think. Some second-year break, breakout players that have been easier to go for. Kennedy Brooks. Yeah. So easy. Maybe he's fine-tuned his game a little bit more, getting a little more cuts, um, improved his handle, especially catching the ball. And another one that you brought up when I was thinking about defense, a couple, Delarian Turner-Yale and Patrick Fields. Yeah. I mean, the safety, anything in safeties in general, Like <laughs> if you've improved, God bless you. There you go. Make sure nobody gets over the top. It's that simple. So I think it's interesting. ESPN also rated Oklahoma because they gave not just current power rankings, which makes sense. That's what ESPN does. Yeah. They gave power rankings for the future. 
And I, they didn't specifically say how far out. They're just talking about in the future. Number one, I think, was Clemson. Two is Alabama. Three is Georgia. Four is Oklahoma. What do you think about that? Is I think that, right now it's fair. Yeah, I think that's fair, too. I think until you see something out of this defense of Alex Grinch, which I'm confident, like I said, but it's not going to happen overnight. But until you see something, it's tough to uh, justify putting Oklahoma ahead of Clemson or Alabama, obviously. And then Georgia, they're recruiting at such a high level and have proven to be great defensively. I'm fine with that. Yeah. And one of the justifications of them being four and maybe not even two or three Defensive recruiting. Yeah. Which is turning around. Yeah. And but if the defense shows some life in the next two years, of course, they probably get bumped from two, four to two. Yeah. Honestly. I think so. Because I think Alabama, I'm not going to say Alabama's on the downslope, but I'm going to say college football's caught up. Yeah. I mean, it's very clear they just got their asses kicked, and they've not necessarily won those you know, national championships. If you taken a gander at this year's recruiting class for Clemson, this 2020 class, holy hell. It shapes up for amazing battles between Oklahoma and Clemson <sighs> for the next four years. That's what it shapes up as. Because... Yeah, I, I think... Uh, you get Trevor Lawrence, you get Spencer Rattler. They get DJ Yuga from Bosco. Yeah. And then you get uh, Brock Vandegriff. It's just shaping up for two massive offenses to, to collide... Who's got the best defense? Brent Venables, former Oklahoma staffer, or Alex Grinch, which reminds people of Brent Venables. It's really interesting. I think Dabo, he probably, it's probably past time for him to drop that little old Clemson narrative <laughs> because yeah, right? in saying things like, we'll probably never have the number one recruiting, you're about to have the number yeah. one recruiting class. <laughs> like the, think- Right now it's ranked number one and it's probably going to stay there. Do you think Clemson is a blue blood? No. Because people are, fundamentally misunderstand the term blue blood. Because there are people that are saying They're Jeff Bezos. That is who Jeff Bezos is the richest man in the world. He's not a blue blood. It, it this So ex- explain, explain. Okay. Blue bloods are families who have been who have had money in their family and have had influence for several generations. Do you know what the social register is? I don't. The social register, it's basically a list of families, including like the Rockefellers, Carnegie's, people like that. Who are the rail- who's the railroad family? Uh, Carnegie. Carnegie, okay. Or no, Carnegie was steel. <clears throat> railroad was Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, They, they squandered their wealth, right. though. There you go. And then Rockefeller was uh, Standard Oil. But anyway, Jeff Bezos, his great-grandchildren... Perhaps they could be considered blue bloods. Okay. But, I mean, in Clemson, you know, 30 years from now, perhaps they can be considered a blue blood if they sustain this kind of stuff. Right. That's, a, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. They're just not right now. It, it's just, it, it, they could win five national championships in the next five years, and they're still not a blue blood at that point. It's, it's just not how it works. To me, it's like a flash in the, pl- flash in the pan. Show me 30 years of longevity. Of course. Then... It'll be legitimate because you look like, at... Like, I'm hesitant to call Florida State a blue blood. Yeah. We, you look at Oklahoma, right? You have the Benny Owens, you know, years, but logistically and realistically, you look at Bud Wilkinson from... You look at 
the late 40s on to every decade generation. The modern, they call them the modern years, right? Since World War II. Oklahoma has dominated college football statistically since the modern era of college football. And they've won, you know, national titles. They've won all their national titles in the modern era, actually. Yep. And basically just a little dip in the 60s and the 90s. A little, a little bit of a dip in the 60s. Big one in the 90s. <laughs> big one in, like, the second, like, the honestly, second half. The yeah, early second, 90s weren't early that 90s bad. The weren't even that bad. Yeah, exactly. They were, because I was looking at I mean, at not polls. great by Oklahoma standards, but, I mean, they were typically a top 25 team. Yeah, and so, like, the later half of the 90s, they were obviously garbage with John Blake and Schnellenberger. Yeah. And, but, it enters Bob Stoops and re-legitimizes Oklahoma back to this powerhouse that is on the scene every almost every year. So, Oklahoma's a blue blood. Now, is it possible f- to lose your blue blood status? Like, let's say... Like ne- a Minnesota or, or, or something what, like what that. What about Nebraska? Do you think Nebraska still has theirs. You think so? Yeah, yeah. They haven't been down for long enough. I mean, to they've been it. irrelevant for a minute, though. Almost About years? a decade. Really? I mean, yeah, I mean, because they were winning, you know, nine, ten games not that long ago yeah. under Bo Pelini. I mean, they weren't like a... Like the national last, title contender, but they were pretty good. The last time they were nationally relevant was actually the national title game, two thousand one, right against Miami. I or, would say or, yes, Miami. Eric Crouch. I would. I mean, de- define nationally relevant. I would say that two thousand nine team was close to chance it. to win a national title or national okay. title aspirations. Okay, I suppose so. But I mean, if you're like a top, if you're hanging around the top ten, you're still relevant. You're yeah, not in true. danger of losing true. your blue blood true. status for that. And they haven't been off of that perch for long enough to really put that in jeopardy. Penn State. They're still a blue blood, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's fair. And it's just, you know, like people say, well, Oregon could be a blue blood. No. No, no. no Chip Kelly had them working for a minute off of, um, oh, I forget the previous head coach's name, Mike something. Bilotti. Bilotti, yeah. thank you. And... They were a flash in the pan. If they would have won, you know, a national title four out of those seven years, they would not have been a blue blood. They would have been a flash in the pan, just like Baylor was. In Clemson, if they can show me they're going to be nationally relevant for the next 20 years, then I would say, okay, we could consider them. But right now, just because you are homegrown all this talent somehow and getting it out of the SEC, I would not call you a blue blood. I'd call you a very good program right now. Yeah, of course. So... Let's talk about... And it's sort of, I mean, it's... I'm not saying it's completely irrelevant, but I feel like Clemson's history is not holding them back at this point. That's so true. So it's not... I mean, obviously your name carries clout, and that does help, but Clemson right now, their brand is strong enough that... That's fair. The term Clemsoning isn't really right. haunting them at this point, and their history... I mean, and it's not like their history was bad. They were yeah. usually pretty they've good. Had, they've had a title. They were just typically... Yeah, in 1980, that's mm-hmm. correct, yeah, but... uh and yeah, it, Hunter Renfro is still playing for them. That's yeah. why I think it's kind of a it's an annoying discussion sometimes, but I feel like yeah, a lot of people just fundamentally misunderstand the term blue blood. But, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. So let's talk about something that everybody loves to talk about, especially if you spend time in Norman, went to the university, or just love the Sooners. Baker Mayfield. Love him. God's child, Oklahoma's son. At his camp in Austin, he was teaching kids how to do the horns down, which is just comical in itself. Of course. And it really upset Texas folk. And then, when asked by a reporter... This, now, this was at a different camp. At a different this, camp, this yes, part, that's yes. correct. This was at his camp in uh, in Norman, I believe. Yes, he was asked by a reporter, because people were going to report this differently, 
asked by a reporter whether or not Texas was back, essentially. <laughs> and his response was, they said the same thing when they beat Notre Dame a couple years ago, and they won like three games after that. He said, I'm sick of that crap. And then he mentions about Sam Ellinger and says he could be beat Lake Travis, so I don't really care about his opinion on winning. He says Westlake's a great program, but the best two quarterbacks to come out of there are Drew Brees and Nick Foles, so Sam can stay down there in Texas. Continuing on going in on Ellinger, he doesn't like me, and I hope he knows I don't like him either. He's never beat Lake Travis, and he also hasn't beaten OU, so leave it at that. What are your thoughts on that? And I all love of that. it. I, oh my I gosh, love it's it. amazing. And we talk. We if you're triggered by it, you're soft. It, yeah. it's just straight up. And we're gonna get to the person who is most triggered by this. It's just like this is exactly what you were talking about earlier when the rivalry's back. Pa- past quarterbacks that are now have been in the NFL for their second year, going in their second year, are saying, "I hope that quarterback right now hates me." Because I hate him too. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I He's love it. He's truly a sooner, and I love it. And it's for... going back to his. It's going back to his high school days. Yeah, like Travis. Because remember when Land Thieves was a really hot website? Yeah, he, he would wear. He would come to like post game with. Like Travis hat on. People are like, oh my god, he's supporting Land Thieves. Like, no, he's, <laughs> he's <laughs> like from like Travis. Travis. But just even going back to like, yeah, the best quarterback that ever came out of that school. Not him. It's Drew Brees. It's Nick Foles. Lake Travis is pretty great. He can't even beat Lake Travis. Also hasn't beaten the Sooners yet. And it's just... Although he did, but he lost the more important yeah. game last year. So. I just... I love all of it. It's amazing. It, and it puts... And it's the weirdest thing because Oklahoma fans are like, oh yeah, I love it. And then when Texas fans say some really, you know, angry things about Oklahoma, we're like, oh yeah, I love it because like, this is a rivalry and we get to talk crap back and forth instead of us just being mean to you for the next 10 years. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. And Michael Jenkins of NBC Sports Radio... Soft ass! <laughs> he might have a soft... I don't know. Said Mayfield is obsessed with Texas with his comments. How do we, He's going to act like... He was like acting like Baker Mayfield just up and said, you know what? I hate Sam Ellinger. And you know what? Texas sucks. And acting like, like, okay, the question was, do you think Texas is back? And Mayfield was like, dude, I'm tired of hearing this crap. And then he goes on his narrative. Yes. So he was, he, the Texas information was brought to him. Yes. So for them to say, oh, he's, you know, we live rent free in the Oklahoma Sooners head. He's still in, he's You in don't the NFL. really get to pull that card no. when Oklahoma's whooping your ass. I mean, it's whatever <laughs> it's just the most annoying like, how can you go on a consistently doing so by the way like michael jenkins is more obsessed with oklahoma and baker mayfield just by bringing that out by not even knowing the full story for one thing he he kind of michael jenkins he kind of looks like the guy from uh house of cards you know the journalist who got arrested and put in jail yeah he looks like him Ooh, he does yeah that's weird yeah so I don't like him. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you can't bring up that narrative if he's being literally asked the question about Texas. Of course. But Longhorn's going to Longhorn. Of course. FSOK, Fox Sports Oklahoma. They've been replaying the 2018-19 season, which is I'm actually watching it right on now. right behind it. West Virginia just scored a touchdown, which, which is should not shock not you. Not surprising to anybody. 
and they've been replaying that entire season for the Sooners and even some of their title games. Uh, Big 12 title, of course. They're not going to play the national titles when they've uh, or the college football playoff when they will break your heart. But today was Oklahoma State. Yesterday was a conference title game. Um, before they actually had a legitimate one down in Jerry World, it was OU versus OSU, of course, Bedlam. That was a Norm- very fun game, in except Norman. for the weather. Oh, the weather was crap. Awful. And the one in 2016, which I just I tweeted about, like, man, that Joe Mixon run to really just solidify that game. And he that does the, was He does a, the showstopper at the end. That was one of my favorite runs. That's one of my favorite runs in, in the re- most recent so history. so great. Like, down the sideline, cuts in, cuts back, cuts back inside, gets the touchdown, effectively st- ends the game. P. Ryan takes a knee at the one. So nice. See, which do you like more, the P. Ryan knee at the one or the mix and run? I think I'm going with P. Ryan. It's more iconic. The I'm gonna P. go Ryan with, knee. I'm gonna go with Mixon, even though P. Ryan's is more rem- memorable because he, they could have gone up 45 to 20, and he said, "You know what? I'm just gonna take a knee." Some people say it's out of respect for the game. Some people are going to be like, no, I could have scored on you. I'm just going to take it right here. I just love that a gesture that was meant to be classy still triggered Oklahoma State yeah. fans so much. Why were they That's triggered? The, they thought he was being disrespectful. It, it's Aggie logic. I it's mean, like, we're, we're not, they, they're not always being the slighted. Score. Everyone's out to get them. It, yeah. Like that's out of Samaj P. Ryan's track history, they're gonna say, "Oh, he was being disrespectful." That that guy's been like one of the most respectful players and dads to ever come through OU. He's gonna take a knee, not run up the score, and just end the game. He's probably the classiest OU oh, player yeah. in my lifetime, and one of the most mature. Uh, right off the bat, right, exactly. Right, as right a off freshman. the bat, it's unreal. He was a grizzled veteran as a probably as a fourteen-year-old. Yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> Seriously. He probably had a receding hairline by the time he was 16. <laughs> but speaking of, you know, replays, sometimes I get on YouTube, sometimes I watch old games. Just for fun. Do you have any favorite plays, uh, replays, any former games they like to watch? Bedlam 2013. That's the big one. Big. Oh, you got Brennan Clay throwing oh, the ball man. in the air. Or uh, throwing the ball in the air, Brennan Clay. Yeah, wasn't it 2013? Oh, was it? That was the that was the next that was year. 12, that was 12. Yeah, no, was 12, my favorite was the 13. one in Stillwater. That was the one when they had no quarterback. Oh yeah, yeah. Trevor and uh, Trevor played the first they half, played, and then they Trevor had a Blake Kendall. They had a like one series of Kendall Thompson. He threw a pick, I believe, but uh, and then Blake Bell saved the day, wow. and then obviously a huge game from uh, Honeycut. Well, yeah, Honeycut. There was that touchdown, and then you had Jalen Saunders who. Uh, I call him the Marlboro Man because he's a cowboy killer. <laughs> Boom. God. You know, he, Oklahoma, up. I think Oklahoma, up until that point, uh, Blake Bell's uh, flag route yeah. to Jalen Saunders had not scored an offensive touchdown. I'm trying to think. Yeah, One I think was that, based, I think that's two correct. were based out of special teams. Uh-huh. And that was it. They had a field goal word, right? I think it was. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think that's correct. Because the yeah, there was the Honeycut TD. There was the uh, the Saunders TD, and then it was two field goals. I think they were down. Uh, what was it twenty four to twenty at that point? Yeah, something like that. All right. And then the very last game, the, the very last four of the game, I'm gonna have to go back and look at it. Touchdown. Yeah, there was the uh, 
Oh, that was a defensive touchdown. Striker picked it up and just ran yep, it in the that end was, zone. That was an amazing and piece of icing on the cake there. Some, one of the OSU kids tried to go bully him. He actually knocked him on the ground. The cheerleaders trying to trip OU football players. Yep. And then, then the Oklahoma State fans throwing turkey legs, legs yeah. and snowballs and stuff like that. And <laughs> then I, I love... It's on YouTube. You can find it. What are you doing, dog? My dog is sneezing. Sneezing, like, continuously. But anyway, <laughs> but like, uh, you can go on YouTube and you can find the Oklahoma State radio call of like the last oh, four I minutes love of it. the game with it's Dave Zyker. Because they, they thought it was an interception. Yeah, and it wasn't. It he wasn't. didn't control it all the way to the ground. But they still to this day bitch about it yeah. is what it is. But that was, that was also just such a sweet win. For OU fans, Oklahoma because wasn't supposed to win that game. We weren't. Uh. Uh-uh. And OSU was supposed to go to the Big Twelve title game, weren't they? Or well, no, they were supposed to win to, the Big Twelve. They would have won the Big That's Twelve right. with that game, yeah. And it ended up going to Baylor. So, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I like watching. I like rewatching the OU Nebraska two thousand game. Yeah, I love that one too. That one just kind of like re-solidifies Oklahoma's stance in college football. They're back. They are to be reckoned with. First half wasn't too great. Until the end of the, until like midway through the second quarter. And then all of a sudden it's just Josh Norman everywhere. And it's Oklahoma's defense just killing Eric 31 Crouch. unanswered points. Unreal. Yep. I love that, uh, the pick six from Derek Strait. Yep. And that was Every, the last score of the game. Yep. Every single, my parents' old seats, they were right down in the very far corner uh-huh. of the, uh, south end zone in the, uh, Trying to think, it was the uh, yeah the southwest corner right by the ramp. So usually you can't see the other side of the field from there. Mm-hmm. You have to look up at the jumbotron. But every single score in that game happened in that end zone. Hell yeah! So that was perfect for me. That and was a just, great memory. Just it's the overall feeling of everything that happened in that game. Like one of the most memorable plays. He was back. The memorable play was. Andre Wolfolk, who was a wide receiver in this game and eventually transitioned to cornerback, he goes up for a catch, and like he, him and the defensive back just are battling for for it. Ball gets popped up in the air, and they're on the ground. Yeah, and the and the he reaches out his arm at the yeah, last second. Announcers are like, "Oh, it's an incomplete pass!" And all of a sudden, he did make the catch. It was Brad Nessler. Yeah, I Brad Nessler. Yeah, and last second, reaches his arm out, pulls it in, and it's a big catch. And there's just so many memorable moments from that. Besides one of the very good images they have of Eric Crouch just in a sea of crimson with his helmet had it fallen off because yeah. Oklahoma was done with their option shit. Yeah. I, wonderful. Um, one memory. I was on the field after the game like a lot of people. And I remember them playing We Are the Champions <laughs> by Queen over the PA. And everyone singing We Are the Champions. And, you know, we hadn't... As oranges rained down. We hadn't won a national championship at that point, but at that point, it felt like we had won something of that magnitude. It was that that significant at that point. So... Luckily, we did go on to win a national championship. And I I actually have, like, a magazine, Sports Illustrated from 2000, of the national championship magazine, like Josh Heibel on the cover. I have that, too. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah. I'm never taking it out of like the plastic. I have a, I think it was a commemorative, like classic Coke bottle thing. It Uh was a six pack of Cokes, and I still have one of them. 
And I have said, I'm, I'm going on record now, that the next time Oklahoma wins a national championship, I'll drink it. Yeah. Apparently, I've looked it up. Apparently, it can't kill you or make you, like, sick, but apparently it tastes like pennies. Mm. So. Interesting. We'll see. Well, talking about favorite replays, what about favorite players to watch in the past? AD would be one. I love Ryan Broyles. Um, Trying to think. Oh, going back to the 90s, Mm. Gerald Moore, number seven. Okay. Fullback slash running back. Just a bruiser. That was a mid-90s guy. Mm-hmm. Damon Parker. Loved watching him. I liked him because he had asthma and I had asthma. Uh, let's see. Mark Clayton. Mark Clayton's a good one. one. Um, Rocky Kalmus, one of my all-time favorites. I'm trying to think of others. Uh, let's think late 2000s here. Because guys that take me back to my childhood just make me... I just like to go back and watch Q, Quentin Griffin. People underrate him so bad. Oh, yeah. Like, you go back and watch those games, oh, my god! His gosh. senior year, he was great. He was one he's of the best so backs good. in the country that oh, he's year. He's so good. And his cu- his cuts are great. And great balance. De- yeah, yeah. Deceptive power. I mean, he yeah. had really good... Really good balance. He Unbelievable. Was, yeah, he was he was fantastic. As, he was one of my you favorites. Know, as a kid growing up in you know in the metro, lo- you know loved 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 Teddy Lehman, and Teddy Lehman's from you know he's the from Tulsa, but Fort being, Gibson, right? Uh, being Teddy Lehman is a Fort Gibson guy. Yeah, that's Eastern Oklahoma. Yeah, still, yeah, yeah. yeah, the area. But and it's just like I remember being in junior high. And I was like, oh man, Teddy Lehman's like the best linebacker ever. I want to wear four four. I want to wear number eleven. When I lived in Purcell at the time. Shout, oh, yeah. shout out to the Purcell Dragons, who are, you know, whatever. But <laughs> um yeah, I, just, I loved Teddy Lehman and Q Griffin because Teddy Lehman's so fast and he was like the heir apparent to Rocky Kalmus. And Q was just so deceptive, especially behind a massive offensive line where you never really were sure where he was going. And I was short, so I was like, I like that guy. And just like looking at his tape as an adult, you're like, oh my gosh, he's so good. Yeah. And he had a brief stint with the Broncos where he was actually pretty yeah, good on the field. Yeah, and then he got hurt. Yeah. He got hurt. Yeah, he had a big game on Monday Night Football yeah. against the Chiefs. I remember that. And then everybody picked him up in fantasy. Yep. And uh, Tommy Harris is another one. Of course. Love Tommy Harris. So, lastly... Current Sooners team, 2019-2020. Name a player right now that isn't getting much hype because you know the players that are getting hype right now. I mean, it's, it's obvious. Wide receivers, quarterback, defense, not so much, right? Other than maybe Neville Gallimore, they're saying he can do a lot, and Jalen Redmond if he stays healthy. Um, who's the name of a player on the team, offense or defense, that isn't really getting talked about, that's going to have a pretty decent impact once the fall comes around. As far as not being talked about, yeah. would you consider LaRon Stokes not being talked about? That was the name I had. That's the name you have. Oh, oh okay. yeah, man. Well, yeah, LaRon Stokes, I think. I think he's in a perfect position to make an impact this year. I think he'll play a ton of snaps, even early. Yeah, he's physically ready. Like Juco he, guy. He was a big surprise for Lincoln Riley and staff, which is always nice to hear. Mm-hmm. That you know he's going to get playing time. 
and he's going to get a lot of snaps. And I think people aren't, aren't going to really understand until he steps on the field um, a lot of times because he's not getting talked about right now. Like, when you talk about defensive line and rush, who's getting talked about? Redmond, Gallimore, Perkins. That's it. Yeah. Secondary, nobody's really getting talked about as much as just, hey, I wonder what's going to happen in the secondary. You have all these names. Linebacker, you have already got your situation figured out. It's going to be Kenneth Murray, Deshaun White. That's it. So, really, there's not that many names... You know, you kind of have a lot of solidified names, but not necessarily ones that aren't. One offensive name that I think I might bring up who isn't talked about much and is going to have maybe a difficult time separating himself, Jaqueline Crawford. Watch out for him, maybe. That's a good player. I, I think I think he's a fantastic player. Oh, I think guys like Jaqueline Crawford, Michael Jones yeah. have an opportunity to do something. Michael, I mean, I would give Crawford the edge over Michael, so but, too. you know, just because Michael's dealt with so many injury setbacks, and he Michael's had his chance yeah. to shine, and he did fine, but he wasn't, he wasn't excellent, Let's, which Crawford, I think, can be special. That's true. Well, and I'll say Ramondre Stevenson. Oh, good pe- one. People are there so, you go. People are so focused on... The big two at running back. Trey Sermon, yeah. Kennedy Brooks, that they're not thinking about Ramondre Stevenson right now. Yeah, he's going to be an immediate and impact I, I, guy. Yeah, I think. I think he'll play. I think he reminds me of Damian Williams. Yeah. And he will play. Um, I don't know the amount of snaps, in, but Trey Sermon, you know, has never really... I haven't. I won't say never, but Trey Sermon has, had, has shown the ability to get nicked up here and there yeah. with his run style. Kennedy Brooks was like one of the only guys healthy last year. And I think Ramondre Stevenson is going to get snaps. Where they come from, I don't know. But I think it's an interesting thought. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how many snaps Pledger gets this coming year. I mean, I think he's got the potential to be to carve out a role simply yeah. because he's different from the other backs. Right. But we'll see. I mean, it's the dog days of summer. And, I mean, Big 12 Media Days is, you know, what, hanging out about three weeks? I can't three wait. Three and a half weeks? It's going to be fun. We're going down there. It's going to be good times. going to be very good times. Staying, uh, It's at Jerry World this year. They moved it from the star. I'm not sure how I feel about that because I like the star and I yeah. like that little that little complex around the star yep. with the Omni and the restaurants there and stuff like that. It's very suburban Dallas, mm-hmm. which is kind of kind of whatever. But, it, I mean, you have if you're there for like a day and you're there yeah. for work, it's, it's a convenient setup. Yeah. It's nice, but, I mean... I think having Jerry World would be kind of cool. Having Oklahoma and Oklahoma State on the same day kind of is silly a little bit. I didn't know that. I didn't know they were going to be on the same day this mm-hmm. year. Ooh, interesting. But I'll, I'll I'll be interested to hear from Les Miles. Obviously. Oh my God! I forgot. Can't wait for that. Les Miles, Tom Herman. If he's forgotten about what's on his team, some, some, a few. A Lincoln Riley, of course. I wonder who Lincoln Riley's going to bring. Jalen Hurts is. Jalen Hurts is gotta be a, going to be there. Gallimore is going to be there. Yeah, probably Kenneth Murray again because he was there last yeah. year. Um, the second offensive guy, you bring, Ooh, CD. You bring CD or Creed? CD or Creed, one of those two. Not surprised. They might bring a fifth. Some schools bring five players. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. But you got plans for the week or weekend? Going to Tulsa on Saturday okay. for a show at BOK. Seeing Jason Isbell and Father John Misty. That's cool. Going to be a good show. 
I'm I'm surprised that that show was at BOK though. Yeah. Like Jason Isbell, he's a known commodity, but he's more of a I mean, he's not that mainstream, you know what I mean? Right. And Father John Misty, I mean, a lot of people know who he is, but he's more of an indie guy. I'm I'm a little skeptical about the crowd size. It'd be okay, but we'll yeah, see. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, it would have been better at Canes, obviously, but they're, that combined show's probably too big for right. Canes. Yeah. And then you think about maybe the Brady Theater, but I, I hate the acoustics of the Brady mm-hmm. Theater. It's an, it's an historic venue, obviously, and it's probably the perfect size for that, but I don't like the Brady, so. It makes sense. And it's named after a racist, so. Yeah, never a good thing to be named after a racist. I'm a, actually Wednesday, I'm flying out to Los Angeles. Hell yeah. I'll probably be back uh, July 1st. What are you doing out there? Hanging out with my sister. Oh, cool. She lives out there? Yeah, she lives out in, uh, I think, Sherman Oaks, which is okay. like a suburb of yeah. Burbank and Los Angeles and all the other stuff. But going to go to the beach, going to go to Santa Monica, hit, hit up the Santa pier. Santa Monica's cool. Just chill out. The weather, like, it like it's way hotter when you go inland. Yes. But like if you're like in Santa Monica, it's yeah. going to be like 70 degrees yes. and breezy. Oh, exactly. it's perfect. So I'm excited to go do that. And we'll, I'll be back July 1st, which will be next, actually a week from today. So I was just going to spend like four or five days out there. That'll be fun. Yeah, I'm going to have a good time. But yeah, that's it for me. So you have anything else? I've got one other thing. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Okay. Let's see. Let's look at our reviews here. We have a lot of five-star reviews. Yeah. And thank you to everybody. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. Um, we have 14 total reviews. We haven't been going that long here on iTunes. We've got 14 reviews. 13 of them are five stars. One of them's four stars, which, you know, that's fine. Four stars is good, too. Let's read it. Great podcast with one effing exception. Great podcast with a lot of in-depth information about Oklahoma football. Thank you. Only complaint. You all need to cut way back on the F-bombs. They don't add to the program. I do agree on that. They don't add anything, really. It's just my manner of speaking, though. Anyway... You won't be any less cool if you find other words. Agree with that. I'm not a prude, but anytime you qualify a sentence with I'm, I'm not, not a prude, prude but yeah. you're probably a prude. Like missionary <laughs> sex with the lights off, listening okay, to Ed God. Sheeran, like that kind of prude. You're going to lose so many followers. <laughs> yeah, <God. laughs> but anyway... But six <laughs> F-bombs over the span of 30 minutes. Five per... That, that's five, not bad. That's, that's one, not that bad. That's one per five minutes. That's not gratuitous, I don't think. Yeah. One per five minutes. Is not representative of the overall quality of the show. Winky emoji. I like winky emojis. I do too. They're good emojis. They are good. But we're going to keep saying fuck because I don't... How long does it take to edit out f bombs? Takes a while, doesn't it? It takes a minute. I mean, you have to. We're not gonna do you that. You have to find a good sensor beep, and then I have to actually find. I have to time mark the 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 f's. We're and not then gonna I have to do go that. I'm them. sorry. If it's not something that I go out of my way to do, obviously, yeah. it's just sort of how I speak. If yeah. I'm being, it's my casual way of yeah, speaking. Exactly. And sometimes if I get worked up, and sometimes we drink during this podcast. Ooh, yes. We're not drinking tonight, but sometimes we do. Mm-hmm. 
sometimes if I'm getting into it, like if I'm talking about Sam Hard G Ellinger, then I'll get a little worked up, might drop an F-bomb or two. Yeah. Like Mike, having Mike Stoops on staff will cause you to say many F-bombs. Of course. In more than 30, uh, more than 5 and 30 minutes. More like, more like oh, yeah. 5 and 30 seconds. Yeah, of course. But anyway, we're going to do what we do, no matter how many complaints we get on that. Just, we don't. We don't really make much money doing this, so we don't really yeah. have much motivation to cut back on that. So we're just going to yeah. be ourselves, and we're not going to sacrifice that just to cater to your sensibilities. So thank you for listening, and I hope you keep listening. But if they're that big of a deal to you, you should probably stop listening. I'm just going to Because it's not going to stop. I'm just going to do what I fucking want. How about that? Yeah. So, But... We will mark that as the end of the podcast. There we go. You can follow us on crimsonandcreammachine.com. Lots of stuff being posted all of the time. And it's quality stuff. It's legitimate quality stuff. Not just about the Sooners, but just around everywhere else. It's all brought to you guys by SB Nation. Um, follow Jack on Twitter. You have at CC Machine. Or if you want to follow his personal, client, personal account, at J. Larry Shields. I'm at BoomtownRW. Again, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Google Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and maybe even <laughs> or a, a four-star rating if you don't like yeah, F-bombs. If you don't like F-bombs, you can give us a four-star rating. That's okay. But five-star ratings are just great. We love them. And if, if you you know if you want to flip your four-star to a five-star, you can just do that as well. But keep in contact with us. Keep up to date with us. And we'll check you guys later.